Hi, welcome to Bookie. To unlock more world-class bestseller, please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. You will get 7 days free trail with more features. Today we will unlock the book Half the Sky, Turning Oppression into Opportunity for Women Worldwide. Rape, domestic violence, and gender discrimination are things that women encounter on a daily basis, but that we only occasionally read about in newspapers. But you may not know that the reality is far more horrific than what we read. In some developing countries, it has become a long-established social custom for women to suffer from abuse. Not only do they suffer from physical and mental trauma, but may also lose their lives. Statistics show that girls killed worldwide in the past five decades, totaled more than the number of men who were killed in wars throughout the 20th century, and this is simply because of their gender. The book we will unlock today presents us with these tragic stories one by one, recounting the bitter suffering of sexual trafficking, honor killings, and mass rape. The author hopes to raise awareness through these stories. At the same time, we can see that as people's awareness of these issues increases, so does their efforts to save these women. Bill Gates once said, This is a must-read book for the citizens of the earth. Khaled Hosseini author of The Kite Runner also said, this is a book casting a determined gaze over the fundamental morality issue of our time. It is an exciting reading experience beyond your expectations. The book also earned rave reviews from both The Washington Post and The New York Times. The authors of this book are the Pulitzer Prize winners, Nicholas D. Kristoff and Cheryl Wudun. They are a journalist couple with extensive joint reporting experience. The book Half the Sky is named as a New York Times bestseller, and has been regarded as a famous humanistic work in the United States for nearly a decade. To write this book, the author spent 20 years traveling around countries in Asia, Africa, and Latin America, and faced numerous dangerous situations to obtain the material and data, which shows the brutal reality of the world. We will learn about women's living conditions in underdeveloped areas through various instances of individual suffering. These women lived in hell. Some of them gave in to despair and indulgence, some however chose to rise up and fight back. Some of these women managed to escape by themselves. Others were rescued by social rescue organizations, and through difficult struggles were able to find hope and rebirth. These stories are all tales of gender inequality. If gender inequality continues, our world is doomed. Equality demands the awakening and dedication of each one of us, which the authors of this book hope to inspire in the readers. So, let's begin. The following three parts will guide us through the book. Part 1, The Persecution of Modern Women Part 2, The Social Enterprises That Can Change Women's Destiny Part 3, Devoting Personal Strength to Help Women Now, let's get ready to unmask this new era of the 21st century. It's time to take a closer look at our world and what's happening in it. Amartya Sen, a Nobel Prize-winning economist, wrote in a classic essay in 1990 in the New York Review of Books that more than 100 million women are missing. Where were these 100 million people? Most of these missing women were secretly sold by traffickers to various dark corners of the world, and were forced into the sex trade. 
Sri Rath was a 15-year-old Cambodian teenager, whose family had run out of money, so she decided to go work in Thailand with four other girls. The girls could never have predicted that once they stepped on Thailand soil, the job agent would hand them over to gangsters who'd take them to Kuala Lumpur the capital of Malaysia, and lock them in a brothel. Once, after fully realizing her situation, Rath decided that she would rather die than submit to her captors. This annoyed the customer who had paid for fun. The boss got angry, punched and kicked her in the face, and then took turns raping her with his gangster customers. From then on, Rath never dared to resist. She was forced to smile at all the customers. If she was slightly disobedient, she would receive a beating immediately. Girls in brothels are usually not allowed to wear clothes, so it's not easy to run away or hide tips. She worked around the clock 15 hours a day, but never received a penny, and was often harshly beaten. Finally, one day, Rath risked her life and escaped. She approached the Malaysian police for help and thought that the police would escort her home. Instead, the police sold her to another trafficker, this time at a Thai brothel. There are numerous women like Rath who have been trafficked repeatedly. Few people investigate issues in this area of the world. Governments of many countries choose to turn a blind eye to this type of crime. To make matters worse, due to the preferences of customers, underage girls are favored by the sex trade market. This directly leads to about 1 million children being forced into prostitution every year. Some of them are trafficked by brothels at the age of 8 or 9, and enslaved to serve as underage prostitutes. A basic element of the brothel's business model is to destroy the girl's self-esteem by shaming, raping, and drugging them. Some are even forced to eat dog shit on the day they lose their virginity, in an effort to crush their self-esteem. Their sense of helplessness completely stops them from trying to escape. Over the past few decades, the world has made some progress in handling many humanitarian issues, but the solution to the problem of sex trafficking has continued to elude us. The situation has even gradually become worse. Traffic girls often come from poor families, lack money and have little education. Traffickers can successfully kidnap them under the pretense of helping them find a job. The authors once spoke with an Indian official, and pleaded with him to make every effort to arrest the traffickers. But the official laughed it off and told them that prostitution was an inevitable thing. He believed that only by sacrificing these poor girls can society continue to exist peacefully, and women from good and rich families can remain safe and secure. We will soon find out that in many places around the world, the government and police will never work to save these girls. On the contrary, they are often regular customers of the brothels. Some even provide a form of protection to traffickers. In addition to girls being sold into the sex trade, and locked away in dark rooms to endure humiliation and dehumanization, many girls are also harmed in broad daylight. In countries such as South Africa and Bangladesh, violence against women is rampant, and it is purposefully used to suppress women. According to one study, 21% of women in South Africa were raped before the age of 15, and most of them were unwilling to report it to the police. Because many women may have concealed this fact, the real percentage could actually be much higher. In the Ethiopian countryside, if a young man takes an interest in a girl but can't afford the bride dowry, 
he will call up a few friends to kidnap the girl and rape her. By doing this, he can use the girl's ruined reputation as a bargaining chip to marry her. This has become a social custom in local areas. Winchit was only 13 years old when she was awakened from a deep sleep and forcibly taken away from her home by four men led by a baru. For two whole days, she was beaten and raped repeatedly by these men. When she was eventually rescued, she was severely injured. But the villagers did not sympathize with her. Instead they put pressure on her to marry a baru who had raped her. Because she was unwilling to give in to these demands. A baru kidnapped her again and continued beating and raping her. In a shocking turn of events, a baru even took her to court, and forced her to testify to the judge that she was willing to marry him. But Winchit insisted that she had been kidnapped. The police reluctantly collected evidence and arrested a baru. They then released him a month later for unknown reasons. Everyone close to her condemned Wunshit for defying tradition. Women face even worse abuse from lawmakers, who may even contribute to incidents of mass rape. Mukhtar was born into a Pakistani peasant family. In 2002, her brother Shakur was kidnapped and raped in turn by members of a local higher status family. In Pakistan, it is not unusual for men to rape young boys. Afterwards, fearing repercussions, the rapists framed the boy for raping a girl from their family. The tribal assembly held a public trial on the case, and Mukhtar represented her family at the assembly. As a result, Shakur was convicted, and the tribal assembly determined that raping Mukhtar's payback would be enough to punish Shakur. Four men then dragged the screaming Mukhtar to the stables next to the courthouse, and raped her one after another. Other villagers waited outside. After performing the punishment, Mukhtar stumbled back home nearly naked facing the jeers of the crowd. It is beyond our imagination that mass rape would occur under such circumstances, that it was recognized by all and completely exposed. In 2008, the United Nations officially declared that rape had become a weapon of war. Soldiers issued warnings to others by destroying and abusing women. If we see girls, it's our right. We can violate them, said a 16-year-old war prisoner. In the Congo, Dina on her way home from farming was surrounded by five Hutu militiamen. They took turns raping her. One of them even stabbed a stick into her body. The stick pierced her rectum and bladder, resulting in paralysis. Urine and feces flowed out of her vagina and her whole body stunk. Due to gender-based violence, Congolese women often suffer from diseases like rectovaginal fistulas and vesicovaginal fistulas. Fistulas are abnormal channels between connective tissues, that form when women's digestive and reproductive systems are damaged, and they can cause urinary and fecal incontinence. In general, women could have urinary and fecal incontinence due to the process of giving birth. But in countries plagued by wars like the Congo, the government and the military's indifference and indulgence against gender-based violence is the root cause of urinary and fecal incontinence among 3 million women. In some developing countries in Africa, maternal deaths are still common and the death toll continues to increase year by year. Mahabuba Muhammad was born in Ethiopia. She became pregnant at the age of 13. She couldn't afford a midwife, so she had to give birth to her baby by herself. Unfortunately, 
The fetus was stuck in the birth canal, and it was only after seven days that a midwife was summoned to help her. By that time, the fetus was already dead inside her body and had rotted in her birth canal. As a result, the nerves of Mahabuba's bladder and rectum were damaged. The villagers said that she was cursed because of her urinary and fecal incontinence. They then moved her to a thatched house with the door removed, so that a hyena could eat her. Many pregnant women die as a result of abnormal medical care like Mahabuba, while others die because of doctors' indifference and negligence. Prudence was one of them. The authors found Prudence lying on a hospital bed in a hospital in Yokodama. She was suffering unbearable pain and urgently needed a cesarean section. Despite having only a few hours to save her life, the doctor was reluctant to treat her, because she wasn't able to pay the treatment cost. The authors paid the remaining fees on the spot. The family was so happy, believing that Prudence's life could be saved. But the doctor quietly went home to rest, and had the nurse inform the family that the operation would be performed the next day. As a result, Prudence became afflicted with a severe abdominal infection due to a delay in treatment. She died three days later. Her family could do nothing other than accept their feelings of anger and loss. Sadly, women in many developing countries are unable to undergo any prenatal checkups, and only have access to the services of inexperienced midwives during delivery. Prudence's midwife sat on the pregnant woman's belly and bounced up and down, which caused the rupture of her uterus, and put Prudence's life in danger. Unfortunately, the issue of maternal medical care has never been listed on the international agenda, because those who are in power do not care about the lives of these women. Once born, the most vulnerable women are those who are subject to three disadvantages, being a woman, being poor, and being born in a remote area. Even developed countries like the United States spend less than 0.05% of their military expenditures on maternal health not to mention the expenditures of other countries. It's a shame that news outlets rarely allow us to voice our pleas for saving the world's most vulnerable pregnant women and increasing government spending on maternal health care. We have now finished discussing Part 1, The Persecution of Modern Women. Different forms of persecution include sex trafficking and forced prostitution, gender-based violence and high maternal mortality rate. In the world we are currently living in, somewhere, one woman is killed every minute. Although we might not have seen or experienced the part of the world where she lives, it's not far away from us. We need to pay close attention. Caring is the foundation of helping others. Today we are just sharing limited bookie. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller, please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. You will get 7 days free trail with more features.